Turn to Romans 12. Romans 12. As we near the kind of the home stretch of 2016, we have been looking at transformation this year. Transformation, metamorphosis, God's desire that we would be made more and more the image of Jesus from the inside out, right? Metamorphosis is the same word where we get transfiguration. When Jesus was transfigured on the top of the mountain, what did he do? He showed who he was on the inside. He just expressed it outwardly. And so metamorphosis, transformation, is really, hey, world, here's who I am on the inside in Christ. I'm just more and more letting it be expressed in freedom, in joy, in the spirit. I just want the world just to see who I really am. The question is, who are you really? Who are you really? Because if you're not clear on that question, even as a believer, it can create some conflict. It can create some conflict. It can create some tension. It can create some compartmentalization. Meaning, when you're here, I'm at church, I'm at Bible study, I'm at the potluck, but then when I leave, perhaps I, maybe without even being consciously aware of it, adopt another sort of persona, another identity. And so how do we, how do we bridge that? How do we, how do we understand what's going on in me biblically, supernaturally through the Holy Spirit so that there's consistency in my life. There's consistency in, in who I am in Christ no matter where I am. You know, growing up, we all understand peer pressure. We all understand, you know, that you go on campus that first week or whatever and, and you're, everyone's sort of hunting for who's going to accept me. You know, and they often say kids, good kids who kind of go south and get caught up in the wrong crowd. You know why they get caught up in the wrong crowd? Because the wrong crowd basically says, hey, come join us just like you are. Just as you are, come join us. That's why they get caught up. They don't necessarily get caught up to do the drugs and all the bad things. They just found a peer group that said, come join us. We like you for who you are. We all kind of understand that and, and then we kind of mature and we grow. But here's the crazy thing. Even as adults, we still battle with peer pressure. We still battle with, battle with walking into a potluck with 80 people like, hmm, where are we going to sit? Anyone? I mean, come on now. If we're real, I mean, as adults, you walk into strange situations, right? You, you know, uh, we got invited to a social function. First question, who's going to be there? Well, okay, yeah, who's going to be there in the, in the sort of generic sense, but who's going to be there meaning like, do I like them and do they like me? Do we get along? Is this going to be awkward? Right? We, 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 and, and a lot of this has to do with us not settling the issue of who you are in Christ. That's why I love Jesus. Right? If you look at the story in the Gospels, Jesus was Jesus. Right? If he's talking to the religious leaders, he just is Jesus. He just speaks the truth in love, right? And then the crazy thing is Jesus goes and has dinners with the sinners and goes hangs at the house. And here's the crazy thing. He was still Jesus. Jesus 
was secure in who he was. He knew who he was. Now, the Bible says he was like us. He was fully human, so he still battled with this temptation and this, oh, you know, i, I got to believe that. He was a young boy. He grew up junior high. You know, I wonder what junior high was like in Nazareth, right? <laughs> Probably the same as Matilla, huh? Because junior hires are junior hires, amen? We're all just people. So Jesus had to grow up, and he went through all that, you know, kind of stuff. What about you? What about me? Are we, are we really set in, in who we are? And, and it's really important because if we're going to be transformed, we're going to have to be, understand, right? Everyone says, who, want, who wants to be more like Jesus? Amen? Right? Yeah. Right? We all like raise our hand. If you're going to do that, here's the deal. It's going to take faith. It's going to take faith and trusting at the core in God's grace and specifically today, his grace in what he says and who he says you are. Because if you, if I want to be more like Jesus, here's the thing. You're going to have to do that outside of these doors. It's kind of easier to be it here. At your knees. Nothing wrong with that. We love that here. Amen. Worship is wonderful here. But when we leave here, if you're going to be transformed, you have to carry your identity in Christ out there. Where the world's not always friendly. And the customers always aren't nice. And your boss doesn't always smile when they see you. Right? Out into the real world. And so, how do we bridge this, this sort of inconsistency, maybe this compartmentalization of, of who am I, Lord? I love going to church. I love it, I love it, I love it. But then by the end of Sunday, even before I put my head down, I blew it, I blew it, I blew it. Why, why, why do I feel like I'm riding this roller coaster of identity? And part of it, I believe, is we have to understand God's grace. That God's grace isn't just something in the past for salvation. That God's grace is present tense. You didn't need God's grace just to get saved. You need God's grace for the next breath that you're about to take. See, a lot of us were growing up, right? Turn to um, turn to Second Corinthians four fifteen. Actually, you know what? I'm sorry. Don't turn to that. Let's read Romans twelve because I asked you to turn there. So Romans twelve one and two says, "Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind." Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So when this transformation comes from the renewing of our mind, right? But one of the biggest challenges in those verses is that we're conformed. And a lot of our transformation is about putting off the things that the world put on us. Hey, this is what you're allowed to do. Here's your box. This is the kind of student you are. This is the kind of daughter you are. This is the person you're always going to be. We've picked up so many labels, so many identifiers from others and even from ourselves that our biggest challenge in transformation has to do with our identity in Christ. Because many of us, our challenge in transformation is not that you earnestly desire. That's not the issue. The issue is, you're still struggling with who you are in Christ. 
of your mind, the battleground maybe for many of us, is that you're still living according to the old patterns of who you think you are and who the world said you are and who your parents said you were and who the teachers said you were and who the coaches said you were and who all the mean people at school said you were. All that stuff running in your head still. And so you have this desire to be free in Christ. You have this desire to worship. You have this desire just to walk in the Spirit. And yet, all these voices, all these past things are like, no, stay right where you are. Just stay right there. Just stay right there. You're not allowed to be different. Now, okay, at church, that's fine. Be different at church. Be different around the church people. But don't you dare be different at home. Don't you dare be different at the Christmas gathering. Right? And so we still, even as adults, battle this, I want to be free in Christ. But the world for all of these years has pounded it into our heads and our hearts. This is you. This is as far as you go. That's it. This is all you're going to amount to. Many of us, that's the battle. This is the lies and the deception and the oppression and the bondage to what the world just sit there and don't speak unless spoken to. Thank you very much. And, and we battle with this, right? So the renewing of our mind, for many of us, goes back to our identity in Christ. Our identity in Christ really is rooted in His grace. Receiving His grace, right? Turn to 2 Corinthians 4.15. A few books to your right. Two books. Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. 415. 2 4.15 The Apostle Paul is speaking about his ministry, all his sufferings, everything he's endured as an apostle in ministering to the Corinthians, the Christians at Corinth. And in 2 Corinthians 4.15 he says this. All this, all his sufferings, all of his work, all of his apostolic you know, duties, everything he's put into it, all this is for your benefit. So that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. See, if we will, if we will appropriate God's grace daily, there's a connection to grace and thanksgiving or giving thanks. If you'll appropriate God's grace, giving thanks is a response and God gets the glory. And then you're just a believer in Jesus and like, what got into you? Oh man, God's grace. I'm just thankful for God's grace. And we live out of gratitude. We live out of gratitude. In freedom. Yeah, I know, it's crazy, huh? I was that guy in high school. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's why I told you before, I always kind of dread going back to San Diego and high school reunions. You're a what? You're a pastor? <laughs> I mean... I kind of like weird. I even struggle with that when I go around the boys. You know, I think about one of my friends wants to set up a get-together around Christmas. Like, wow. Okay. Okay, Lord. I, I already feel it. I feel in my flesh, I feel like, oh, this is going to be interesting. I haven't seen some of them since high school. And their picture of me is from high school. Right? You, you ever feel that? Right? So I'm always, I'm already like gearing up for this event. And there's a part of it that says to trust God's grace. Because what does the Apostle Paul say? By the grace of God, I am what I am. Right? It's God's grace. By God's grace, I am what I am. So here's the thing. 
I'm realizing when I go around my old buddies, I don't have to explain anything. By the grace of God, I am what I am. Yeah, I know it's crazy, right? You know, I may be doing that at this get-together. I can't explain it. I, I mean, how many of us, honestly, if you think of your salvation, you can't explain it. You can't explain it. Let's be real. If you don't know Christ, you'd be home watching football right now or sleeping or doing something. The fact that you're here, quite honestly, is unexplainable. Except for God's grace. It's, it's, just, it's just God's grace. None of us deserve it. I read a wonderful book while I was away called Unqualified. We're all unqualified in the flesh. It's God who qualifies us. Amen? He's the one in His grace that says, this is now who you are. In His grace. And when you get His grace and you get who you are, there's thanksgiving. There's giving of thanks and then, I love this verse, to the glory of God. You can't help it. The question is, have you appropriated that grace in who you are? Have you given yourself permission? Have you given yourself permission? See, Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says we are saved by grace through faith, right? Not by works. So we all understand kind of grace in that context. And we go, oh yeah, I needed grace to be saved. It's unmerited favor. I couldn't earn it. So we tuck grace away in the past tense. It was just for when I was saved. No, that's not where grace stays. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. Remember Paul struggling with the thorn? And he says, Lord, three times, Lord, take it away, take it away, take it away. He's like, nope. But why? Well, my grace is sufficient. When you're weak, then I'm strong. His grace is today. Grace is not just unmerited favor. It has to. There's another part of that definition for present tense, which is God's provision for all of our needs. Amen? We all need God's grace every moment of every day. So don't tuck grace away as, well, I, was, I, I didn't deserve it. Jesus died for me. And that was a past tense. And grace is past tense. Grace is present tense. Grace is very present tense. I put it in your notes right there. Second Corinthians 12, 9 right there. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. So there's two elements to grace. There's the salvation and then there's sanctification or transformation. Right? Look at Galatians 3. I'll put in your notes there. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ What? Have put on Christ. That's a past tense truth. So at the point of your salvation, we've covered this, right? You put on Christ, which means what? Positionally, you're clothed in the holiness, the righteousness of Christ. Positionally, as you sit here, positionally, God is like, I love you as much as I could ever love you. And I'm as pleased with you as I could ever be. Did you think about that this morning? Positionally, at the point of your salvation, you put on Christ. You put on His robe of righteousness. So as you sit here, as a believer, God's happy with you. Really? But, 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 
See, this is where grace comes in. It's unmerited. It's unmerited. If I were to ask you, okay, close your eyes and picture God, His facial expression as He's thinking about you. How many of you would have this glowing, beaming smile? And He's like, yes, I love you so much! Or, what would the, what would the face be? What is God's expression when He thinks about you? Positionally. Yes, that's my daughter, that's my son. I just love him so much. I love you, I love you, I love you. Yes! Right, we were at this function last night with the little kid. Isn't it amazing how adults get crazy around little kids? Not even your own. Oh, come here, come here. Right? Or cats. Or cats. Or your dog. Come here, come here, you know. How many of you do crazy things with your pets? Because you just love your pet, right? Right? And if anyone like had a hidden camera, you'd be like on YouTube viral. Like, look at this crazy dude. And you talk funny. And you, right? All this craziness. Why? Because you love them. You love them. Okay, so take that vibe, take that feel, and positionally, that's how God feels about you. Come here, little Marky. That's how he feels about you. That's how he feels about you. Positionally. That's how he feels about you. Isn't that awesome? You see, what is gratitude? What is thankfulness? Sometimes, guys, in the church, we overthink stuff. I must be more thankful. Thankful in the Hebrew. Thankful in the Greek. Well, in the Old Testament, thankfulness was... What is thankfulness? You get something you didn't expect and didn't deserve. You, uh, when, we, when, when was the last time you got a gift and you just said thank you and you felt thankfulness? Anyone? Gratitude is a feeling. In the church, we've become so scared of feelings. No! Gratitude is a feeling. When you understand God's grace, that it was unexpected and undeserved, I give you permission. Woo! Thank you! Thankfulness in the Greek is the uh, Strong's Concordance number. When did we stop feeling? Gratitude, right? You ever, you ever been at a restaurant and someone goes above board and you want to tip them more in response, right? You just, that's gratitude. You feel something. Now, exponentially apply that to God. And the tip is you. That's the living sacrifice. I am so grateful. I am so filled with thanksgiving. I present myself to His living sacrifice. 100%. Not, what is it, 18% now tipping? The tip is you. Out of gratefulness for His grace. That's the tip. But you've got to give yourself permission to receive it. Right now, some of you are struggling with this. Gucci, 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 I love you. I'm so happy to see you. Why are you struggling with that? Why are you struggling with that? I struggle with that. I grew up in a home that that was loving, but not demonstratively loving. So, I knew my dad loved me, but I can't remember, and I love him dearly, this is not a slam on him, I cannot remember him saying, I love you. So yes, I understand this coochie-coochie God that loves me and is happy to see me. I didn't grow up with that in the father figure. My dad, my dad provided. He was there. He was a protector.
protector. But this this verbal loving affirmation. I just got to receive it because it's God's truth. And I have to receive it by God's grace. That that is what the Bible says God feels about me. So, okay, therefore it's true. Despite my past. Despite that I don't get that. So I understand that. I do. So we have to, we have to understand gratitude. It's okay. It's okay to feel gratitude, right? Amen? To God even. Maybe that's what some of us need. The freedom to just say thank you. I remember one of my friends told me, you know, when I got saved, one of the things that happened, this was his testimony, I got my feelings back. And then he became a leaker. He God touched his heart, and he softened him because he had been a man that was like this. God got a hold of his heart, began to appropriate God's grace, softened his heart, and he became, no, I'm a leaker, man. I cry at anything, dude. <laughs> Why? He was starting to appropriate truth. And all the years, and all the, and all the bondage, everything, over time, God just started saying, no, from the inside, let it go. Trust me. Rest in my grace. Rest in my grace. And this grace is today. It's for today. And so, it says, we have put on Christ. And look at there, Romans 13, 14. Look at this. It says, we are to put on Christ. So guys, here's the deal. We put on Christ positionally in Galatians, Romans 13:14, we are commanded to put on Christ today, which means practically, which means hey, this is who you are positionally today, put it on. Receive my grace by faith, walk in the spirit and be who you already are in my eyes. See, we have to live. If we want to be transformed, we have to live by grace through faith in who He says we are. Who He says, everyone say, who He says, I am. That is grace. That is where transformation is. Because every morning, some of us, we're challenged with what we're going to put on, guys. We're challenged with what we're going to put on. And, and some of us, I, I, I thought of this, some of us, we put on the past. I dug this out of my closet. Still sort of fits. But we live in the past. And when we get up, we put this on. Because this is where we got our affirmation when we were young. This is where we got our strokes. This is where we got our pats on the back. This is when I was BMOC and walking around and I had someone got the captain stars and this was my identity back then. So we live in the past. Some of us are still there. Some of us are still struggling with who we are in Christ today. And every morning we sort of choose to go back to where it was, the good old days. Because the present days may not be so good. The present days might be scary. You might feel a little lost and a little like we're drifting and, and looking for a place. I like this. This brings back a lot of good old memories. These were the good old days. So some of us choose to put on the past, to rest on our accomplishments and the strokes that we used to get in our identity growing up, right? That's one thing that we might put on, right? Then I thought, what else might, you know, and mostly 
typically that's more of a time of confession than anything, right, Bill? Some of us, we just we put on that outward image. Yeah, I got it all together. Got my career. Got it all, right? Everything's fine. Everything's good. I got the house and the car and the two and a half kids or whatever, you know what I mean? And, and the cat and the dog and the fish and the bird. I don't want to leave anyone out. The alligator, the chinchilla, whatever you have. You got it all. So, so every morning you put on the image. Everything's good and fine. Right? The problem is, it kind of doesn't fit. It's like big. And you spend so much of your waking hours trying to maintain this. Because the problem is, if you do a really good job at this, and people like this, now you're in a stuck. Now you're in a prison of having to maintain this. What have you really gained when people like a false image of you? What have you really gained? A prison. Bondage. Because now you drive yourself into the ground trying to maintain this. Because what if they really knew the truth? Right? For some of us, some of us might put on this. Right? And this one I'm going to be sensitive about. Because we've all put on, at times, things that have been hurtful. And we kind of, every morning, put on this, man, if only, shoulda, woulda, coulda. My life's been a wreck. Look at it. And I'm not saying we don't go through things as believers. What I'm really addressing is the issue that we put this on as our identity. Some of us live in the past or the present, and it's all about our identity is all the things that's gone wrong. And we rehearse over and over all the pains and all the mean things and all the terrible regrets and all the things. And it's, we really wear it as an identity. We put it on. Even as a believer, we put it on. And in Romans 13, 14, what do we say? Put on Christ. And it's a choice. I share this because it's a choice. And, you know, we could have 10,000 jackets up here. But it's a choice we have to make in God's grace to put on Christ. And you're like, oh, but that's tough. I know it's tough. That's why he says, my grace is sufficient. Some of us this morning, you know what we need? We need God's grace to receive God's grace. You need to. The Apostle Paul says that, that God allowed that thorn to keep him humble. Some of us this morning, you may just need to humble yourself and say, Lord, you tell me to put on Christ, but everything in me wants one of those. Everything in me. I know they're, maybe they're not healthy. I know maybe they don't... They keep me in bondage, but this is what I know. See, this is what we know. This is what we're comfortable with. And God says, no, 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 that's not who you are. Turn your notes over. This is who you are. Turn it over. That's who you are. 
I am a child of God. I am loved. I am a new creation. I am the temple of the Holy Spirit. I am a member of the body of Christ. I am a citizen of heaven. I am God's workmanship. I am Christ's ambassador. I am clothed in the righteousness of Christ. I am forgiven. I am no longer a slave to sin. I am justified. I am valuable. I am gifted. And many more. That is what it means to put on Christ. This is what you need to put on when you walk out the door. Amen? By God's grace through faith. And everything in you is going to want to put this on at some point during the day. Because it's going to get uncomfortable and scary. And you're going to want to revert back to what you know. But if you want to be transformed, if you want to keep moving forward, you've got to rest in His grace. By the grace of God, I am what I am. By the grace of God, they say, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And point to this list. Who does this refer to? Who? Who does this refer to? Me! Me! Crazy, huh? See, we went down to um, Thanksgiving to my mom's house, and before we were leaving, we have our coat closet. And she's done this in the past, but again, when we were leaving out the door, she opens up the coat closet, and my dad had died a few years ago. And every once in a while, she would go down there, and before we leave, she opens up the coat closet and goes through dad's jackets that are hanging. And so she found one, she found this and one, found me one. I'm like, yeah, sure. And it's interesting because she's done this before and I take them because I love my dad and it's a great remembrance, but dude, that's stuff from like the 60s and 70s. I can wear that. You know what I mean? Great, mom, put it on the hanger in my closet. It had great sentimental value. Not real practical. This one looks different. I actually wore this early this morning before the sun got it. Not only is this sentimental, this is practical. See, who you are in Christ isn't just sentimental past tense that you're going to heaven. Putting on Christ every day is practical. It's practical. When you leave here, it's practical. That list, it's practical. And so, the Lord says, hey, this is me, man. This is what I want you to wear. This is what I want you to put on. When you look in the mirror, this is what I want you to see. But Lord, I know those. I know. I know you know those. But trust me. This is who you are now. You're my child. what it means to put on Christ. We're saved by grace through faith. 
but we live by grace and through faith. And at the core, it goes back to who you are in Christ. Who you are in Christ. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord. That you give us your robe to put on. Thank you that you see us clothed in the righteousness of Christ. And as we prepare and take communion, I, I think of the word Eucharist. What does Eucharist mean in the Greek? Giving thanks. Thanksgiving. And so, at the end of this message on grace, we come back to the cross. The ultimate demonstration of grace for each one of us. Father, as we take this communion, as we hold these cups, would you speak to our hearts about who we are in Christ, about what it means to put on Christ, about what it means to live according to who you say we are, by faith and reliance on your grace. So we take this communion as a time of remembrance. We're going to distribute the cups to you. And just have a time of, of reflection, a time of just letting the Lord speak to your heart through His Word, His Spirit this morning about the gratitude of God's grace.